Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chrisanne Hall Daily Journal. Chrisanne Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So glad to have you with me today on the Chrisanne Hall Daily Journal, where we're going to talk about some right to keep and bear arms news. Uh, JC is not with us today, so you just get me. <laughs> and remember, we are a teach show, not a talk show. So what I give you is based on truth, based on fact, not fake news, not propaganda, no spin here except for the fact that we will be giving you truth from an historical constitutional perspective based on principle and not party loyalty. So if that's going to sort of put you off, then I'm going to have to, you know, warn you right now. Uh, there's no party loyalty thing going on here. I call out the Republicans and the Democrats the same. Well, I don't know if that's actually honest. I think I probably call out the Republicans more than I call out the Democrats. Why? Because why would I call out a communist for being a communist? Okay, just saying. And so, uh, why do I call out the Republicans? Because they're the ones who aren't even following their own party platform. Um, I don't, have you read the latest Republican Party platform? Seriously, I think that everybody on this show should do that. Uh, you guys are the cream of the crop. You're ready to be the Liberty Fighters. You are the Liberty First Brigade. And we just simply need to be the ones that actually know what the what these documents say because if we don't know if we haven't read then how do we make the arguments how are we proper apologists of the constitution and of our natural rights if we simply don't know what these things are and one of the most powerful tools that i use when teaching the right to keep and bear arms because you know let's just be totally honest Although I have been invited by a bunch of Bernie Sanders supporters to teach on the Constitution, those don't come as often as I get invi invitations from Republican groups or Republican-leaning groups. And one of the things that I like to do when we're talking about the right to keep and bear arms, you know, I don't know, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that this is a hot topic today. And so I'm getting more and more requests to teach on the right to keep and bear arms. And one of the things that I like to do, especially if I'm at the particular Republican groups, is to open up. Now I'm letting my cat out the bag, right? Because I do it as a sort of a of a eye-opening, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was true kind of thing. So now that you know I'm letting you hear this, you're gonna know when I go. So shh. If you learned on this show the answer to this question, if you find me in a meeting, you're not allowed to answer, okay? No cheating. That's cheating. And so what I do is I either read from or I put on the screen, if I'm using a, a um, PowerPoint, I put on the screen text from the Republican Party platform. And I ask everybody, read this. Where did it come from? You would be amazed at the answers that I get, actually. <laughs> you would be very, very amazed at the answers that I get. But very, very rarely, I think all the times that I've asked this question, maybe once or twice, somebody has actually told me, oh, that's, shout it out, oh, that's the Republican Party platform. 
If we don't read these things, how do we hold the standards? I mean, it's a whole Constitution question, too. If you don't actually know what the Constitution says. And beyond that, right? Because Alexander Hamilton not only said the words of the Constitution, he said the tenor upon which the power is delegated. That word tenor means intent. So if you don't know the words, that's bad. But it's even at equally as bad if you don't know the words and the intent behind those words. Okay, so just reading the Constitution is not enough. I don't ever condemn everybody by saying anybody by saying, you know, I read the Constitution. You know, we got to start somewhere. But if all you do is read the Constitution, then uh, I don't want to sound condescending, but you simply don't know what you think you know. Because it's not just the words on the paper that make the meaning, it's the, as, as those who wrote the Constitution said, it's the meaning of the words they applied to it. Not the Supreme Court, not your congressman or your senator, not your law professor. What is most, as James Madison, the father of the Constitution said, what is more relevant to the meaning of the Constitution is what those who ratified the Constitution meant. I find that interesting because I'm hearing the uh, a lot of the Dems in the impeachment process quote George Mason on impeachment and a couple other people on impeachment. Well, I quote George Mason a lot. I quote the the you know I I quote all of them, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. But the bottom line is when you're talking about the the application of the Constitution, the words of the founders who ratified the Constitution. And the language of the Constitution that was actually ratified is the most controlling, okay? Uh, in, in this impeachment aspect, the proposition of George Mason on impeachment was not adopted by the Constitutional Convention. He made an argument for a certain position. They did not choose, the, the convention did not vote to choose his proposition. And so his argument within the meaning of the application of impeachment is not as relevant as those who are describing and talking about the way the language was actually adopted. A lot of times I like to use the Anti-Federalists to point out the warnings because the Anti-Federalists had a real sort of they had a real grasp on human nature that I think the Federalists lacked. So the Anti-Federalists seem to have a grasp on the, depra on the, on the depraved nature of, of mankind. And they were always saying, look, if you give this power, but you don't do this, this, and this, then you know over time this is what's going to happen. So we want you to do this. And the sort of general response from the Federalist was always this. Well... If you follow the Constitution as it's written and as we're telling you it's supposed to be applied, you don't need to add all this other stuff because the language and the tenor will dictate. And the Anti-Federalist reply was always, you know, that's really great, but over time people will get pacified by prosperity, they'll become lazy in luxury, they'll become complacent and compliant in their comfort, they'll stop reading, they'll stop learning, they'll forget what we said, and then that's when the despotism takes over. So the Anti-Federalists were more for uh, a more verbose, kind of specific thing, where the Federalists were like, look, if you get too specific, then they're going to use that as a tool against you, right? 
And so that's just sort of the 30,000-foot argument of the Anti-Federalists versus the Federalists. Uh, and, and while I'm in this subject, let me just point out to you that there's a really a false argument floating around out there that somehow the Anti-Federalists were opposed to the Constitution. That is simply not true. And there are two facts that help us understand that. I think the first and foremost that the majority of the Anti-Federalists actually vote to ratify the Constitution. There were only a handful of people that refused to vote, and they were not the sum and total of the Anti-Federalists. Uh, proof number two is Federalist Paper number one, where they actually say we're not opposed to the Constitution. We just don't think, as it's written, it does enough to confine and control the limited government so that over time it doesn't become a tool of despotism because the people have become detached and those who are in government have become immoral. And when you really, really sit down and study the whole argument, and I do do the whole argument in uh, Liberty First University in a course called uh, The Great Debate. I do give you that whole argument. When you study the whole argument, uh, you understand, hey, uh, both of them had a really great, great point, the pros and cons, and the understanding of the pros and cons only helped to highlight that, hey, guess what? Um, the real problem with how the Constitution is applied today is not the Constitution, whoops, is not the Constitution, but the people. The Constitution has not failed. We have failed to enforce the Constitution. Now you guys know since JC's not here I'm not really able to to follow the chat room too much. I keep looking over here and making sure you guys aren't freaking out and nobody's saying really bad things. I had to I had to block somebody or I had to remove somebody's statements last time and I that sort of breaks my heart because I don't like hopping in and limiting what people say. Now let's just be clear because somebody's gonna hear this, oh Christians no for free speech. Hello, you don't have free speech rights on my YouTube channel. All right, my YouTube channel. I am not government, nor am I an agent of government, nor am I forced enforcing government laws. Okay, so you've got no first right, First Amendment, no no freedom of speech claim on me. I'm a private individual. My liberty is trumps your feelings, um, and my rights trump your feelings and your rights. By the way, my on my page, my rights trump your rights. So, if that offends you, then you probably shouldn't be here. Anyway. And so uh, I think that uh, we need to, I, I want to get into this right to keep and, fair, and, and bear arms uh, news. There's some things going on that I want you guys to know about, I want you guys to see. And um, some of it is going to take a little bit of, my phone kind of really just freaked out on me. Uh, not too long ago. Oh, that's what I'm looking for. Super. Okay. Woohoo! There we go. Right there. I want to play for you this YouTube video. It is a public service announcement, uh, you know, a PSA in California. And I want to play this for you so that you can see and hear the propaganda yourself. Now I wish JC would have been here because he, you know, he could have reaffirmed what I'm telling you is not, you know, just me making up stuff. But when we get back, I'm just going to tell you anyway, and you're just going to have to believe me if you don't look it up because that's how it works. So here's the YouTube video. 
So what you see is a young man, he came downstairs and looked at his mother reading a book, for those of you who are listening and not watching. He realizes his mother isn't paying attention, so he goes up to her bedroom, opens up the second drawer, and pulls out a firearm, a handgun, walks into his room, and places the handgun into his backpack. Now, Mom apparently is completely oblivious to what has just happened. The young man has just laid down on his bed as if he is contemplating. And now we switch scenes to the school. This is obviously a middle school, and he, you see students walking down the hallway and going into the classroom. Oops, wait, there's the young man who took the handgun from his mother and put it in his backpack. He is now entering into the classroom. He is sitting down and getting in his seat, and his classmates are there. I'm not quite sure what school that is, because there's only like eight students there. I don't know if there's a public school around here that's had eight students in decades, but now all the students are sitting in the room and they're reading and as he puts his book away the students are getting up and getting ready to leave the classroom the young man takes his book and he bag and he steps up he goes walks up to the teacher with his book bag he pulls out a gun and he puts the gun on the table you take this away i don't feel safe And the headline is, Our Children Deserve a Safe World. Stop Gun Violence Now. There's your propaganda, people. Will you... What's crazy is when you see that video, and I'm, if you're just listening to it on, uh, on the radio or on our podcast, you can always go to the Chris Ann Hall YouTube video uh, channel, our, our Chris Ann Hall YouTube channel, and, and watch this. And... What's just, what you see is the child pulls out the gun, and as he pulls it out the gun, the, the, the teacher's like, <gasps> you know, freaking out. And then he, he lays down the gun on the table and says, uh, I am, can you, can you take this? I'm not safe with this. I don't feel safe with this in my house. All right? Let me just tell you. I don't know how many of you know this or don't know this, or aware of this, uh, JC and I were Russian linguists in the military. I was a Russian linguist in the Army, and he was a Russian linguist in the Navy. Our training happens in Monterey, California. That is the Defense Language Institute. We are taught by native Russian professors. Because the whole point is, we're supposed to be able to, to speak, write, listen to conversations as if a native, we were natives. Part of that, in order to do that successfully, you also have to become a, you have to become really well informed on the culture of a country. If you're going to look like a native, you've got to know the culture. Because a lot of things that we say, a lot of sayings that we say, a lot of things that we do um, are, are, are driven by common culture. So you can study the words all day long. You can even get the pronunciation perfected. But if you don't understand the culture, if you don't know the history, then you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. So we studied the history. We studied the culture. In that study of the history and the culture, we learned about how the... the and Hitler did this too, but I think the, the, the 
the socialists, the Marxists, the communists in Russian uh, history did this best. And um, there was a propaganda uh, and his, his name uh, of a student, okay? The student's name is Pavel Morozov. And Pavel Morozov was a boy who uh, was worshipped in the schoolhouse. His pictures were everywhere. All the schools held the pictures. And let's see, let me, I'm going to put this up here so you guys can see this. And web, there we go. Pavel, Moro Pavel Morozov, uh, there's even a whole story about him. He's a Soviet communist martyr. And Pavel Morozov lived and died in the agricultural village of uh, Germana Gerasimakova, Gerasimakova, 60 kilometers from the distri uh, district center of Tavada in the westernmost part of Syria. Uh, Siberia, sorry, my brain, I'm sorry, I haven't had much sleep in a few days, so let me, let me go ahead and apologize right now for the fact that I can't read or speak today. I told you, we are in this church conference. We are in church by 9 a.m. in the morning. We go until like 1.30 or 2, and then, you know, I do the show at 5, and then we uh, have to be back at the church by 6.30, and then we go until midnight. So it's a big conference where we're studying, learning, praying, and all kinds of great stuff, learning about new technology and all kinds of great things. So my, my brain is just a little bit tired. But you see Pavel here, and what's crazy is in every classroom, there was a picture of Stalin and a picture of Pavel. So why is Pavel so famous? Well, because the long story made short, Pavel turned in his parents for being in, the op in opposition to the communists. And so they made Pavel this big hero so that all the children would turn in their own parents for, for what they're doing. And what this, what this video does, this PSA, this anti-gun rights PSA. May I just mention as well this anti-parental rights PSA is straight out of the Marxist Stalinist textbook. Straight out. Be the hero in your family. Turn in your parents for having guns. Not only that, steal the guns from your parents. Right? Steal the guns from your parents. So you can see on multiple levels how offensive this is to me. This is offensive to me because this is history. Because this is the tool of the Marxist. This is what Stalin used to manipulate children against their own parents. To manipulate children Orphaning children. You have to realize that many of these parents, the children were taken from their parents. Many of these parents were executed. And this is the same tactic that's being used in America today. 
I just want to know how many politicians secretly funded this video. Thank you, Dragon Stallion 1001, for your super chat. You are such an encouragement to me. Dragon Stallion 1001 says, Thank you, Chris Ann. You have the best show on YouTube, even with them trying to censor you. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm believing for a sudden and huge growth in what we do here on YouTube. We kind of got behind the curve because uh, all of the traveling and all the teaching that I've been doing over the last 10 years kept me off YouTube regularly. And so we were never able to build our YouTube following like many have un uh, while YouTube wasn't censoring the conservative voice and limiting our reach. We didn't actually become YouTube, you know, very active on YouTube until the censorship began. So a lot of the people out there who have, you know, 50, have over 100,000 followers or more did so because they snuck in under the radar. We came in behind the curve. So we're fighting. By the way, also, all the, all the people that follow us on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, on, on uh, um, also Facebook, all social media are totally organic. So I promise you that any, any, anything you do to help us is not used is not used to buy likes because I'm not interested in numbers. I want quality, not quantity. And so I'm so grateful to you guys. Oh, by the way, if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like right now. We have only, um, I'm, I'm looking at our analytics. We have almost 200 people watching. Uh, we have over 200 people watching us live right now and only 38 likes. So if you're in the chat room or you're watching right now, just hit that Hit that little thumbs up thing, man, and, and, and help us beat this. Help us beat the algorithms. It really does. If you, if you like and share, uh, it really, really helps us. So uh, this is the propaganda, okay? I want to know, are there public schools that are going to be playing this PSA in their public schools? Because if there are, then I'm just going to add this to my 470,336 reasons why my child will never attend a public school. So I wanted to talk to you about, uh, I, I wanted to show you a video that I just posted on the right to keep and bear arms. I'm going to play it for you. It is just simply two minutes long. And it's a clip from a, uh, a clip from something that I did uh, a little while ago. But it's about the breadth of the right to keep and bear arms. What did, uh, let, let me just be more specific. Were military style weapons contemplated, were they considered at the time of writing the Second Amendment? Because remember, when you're talking about the Constitution, what really matters was what they meant when they wrote it, what they meant when they ratified it. And so what I want to show you is this video. And I don't, I, I make, I, I popped it up big so you could see it. If I might have to, I may have to make it smaller so you can see. Yeah, I got to make it smaller so you can see the whole thing. So, oh, YouTube. All right, there we go. So I'm actually showing it to you from my Twitter page so that you can see the whole thing. But here we go. The Second Amendment. That um, Can the Second Amendment be limited to protecting only the ownership of small arms? For yeah. example... Could weapons of war, such as um, automatic weapons, tanks, or even nuclear weapons, are those covered under the Second Amendment? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely they are. When you understand the history and the principles of the Second Amendment, when you understand the reasons that it was written. At Liberty First University, we have several courses that actually address this. We have one specifically on uh, the history, the establishment, and the principles of the right to keep and bear arms. We also have an amazing course that I, to that I really love, one of my favorites called America Disarmed, where I take you through an actual event of history where one governor in 1774 disarms one town and how that changed the course of the of not only our revolution but the course of the world and the writing of our constitution uh, oh, just I'm as check a, that one out. yeah so just as a little hint um james um was it james Madden? it was noah webster said that uh that uh, the right to keep and bear arms cannot be uh limited because it is the way of the people to control the government, right? He actually said, and we teach this in the court, this is, I'm, I'm paraphrasing his quote because I don't have it in front of me right now, but he actually said that the government cannot raise any force under any pretense to impose or usurp the rights of the people because the people, the whole body of the people, not a select militia, but the whole body of the people will possess arms superior to that of any government that can and any force that can be raised by the government so the essentials in the second amendment is number one it does actually the subject of the second amendment is the people not the militia and that it has to be based on the right of the people to keep and bear arms uh to control government not to protect yourself from robbers and rapists or to go hunt there's actually so much more to that than than what we actually see in that little short video. Uh, the course at Liberty First University obviously is is essential to understanding this. You can get it on DVD, you can download it, uh, go to libertyfirstuniversity.com and get that. You can also get my book Sovereign Duty. Um, you can also get my book Sovereign Duty and you'll be able to read it with all of its resources with that. And what I wanted to make sure that we made clear is that the understanding of the right to keep and bear arms by those did absolutely con contemplate what we would classify as military-style weapons. Because the whole point is that, and, and as James Madison would say, uh, that, that the people must be able to oppose all uh, oppressive unjust and unconstitutional laws they must have a force superior to that of any regular troops that can be raised by congress on any pretense and so right there in the words i mean uh no webster said a standing army cannot rule as they do in almost every kingdom in europe because the whole body of the people are armed and constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops that can be raised right so if if a standing army can't rule over us because stand, can I can I let me let me pause there for a second and repeat myself. If a standing army army cannot rule over us because we are armed superior to them, then that has to mean that they contemplated that if we would not only have the same arms. Uh, we would not only have similar arms, we have same arms, we could even be even more superior, we, our armament could be more superior.
to theirs. So this whole idea that, that the FBI and, and the Department of Homeland Security have to monitor, you know, have to, you know, limit how much we can buy and, oh, you can only buy one gun a month or you can only buy so much ammunition and then we have to violate your rights and start listening to all your telephone conversations. Oh, but Chrisanne, what about the terrorists amassing guns? Do you realize there are so many other problems wrapped up in there? That if we were actually following the Constitution the way it's supposed to be followed, terrorists wouldn't be a threat in America. First and foremost, I don't think terrorists would, would even want to come to America if we were actually following the Constitution. It's the same thing that's kept us from being invaded on this soil by foreign governments for 244 years. It's because they know we aren't a gun-free zone. America is not a gun-free zone. And if you invade us, you're not going to have to be have the advantage of marching through and taking over until we can amass a, gover a government army to come and keep the people safe. No. You land here, we're going to take you over. Anybody seen the movie Red Dawn? Okay. Just saying. And so... Um, we we can't in the oh let me just put it this way i talked about this uh show a couple times uh, a couple shows ago the why do they want to be able to label people as terrorists domestic terrorists why because they want to label you and me for buying guns they want to label you and me as domestic as potential domestic terrorists because we are a threat to their power we're going to limit their power we're going to know that they don't have the authority to make unjust, unconstitutional, and oppressive laws. And they're going to know we have, we know, we know we have a duty to stop that. We have a duty to oppose that. We also know we have an obligation to do that peacefully within the realm of exercising our rights as it is appropriate. But they also know, as, no, as James Madison said, that they cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword, he says. He says, no, no force at the command of Congress can enforce unjust laws by the sword because the whole body of the people are armed and constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops that can be on any pretense raised in the United States because the people will be the judge of the laws and the people will be able to resist any unjust, oppressive, or unconstitutional law because they are the jealous ones towards their own liberties and they hold the power. I'm sure I'm triggering somebody right now, without a doubt. If some, somebody who's ignorant on the right to keep and bear arms or intimidated by the right to keep and bear arms creeps their way on the show or accidentally comes on the show to, to you know, because they're trolling, right? Because the headline is the right to keep and bear arms news. So they're going to be trolling me. So I've just triggered them. But the bottom line is, I don't really care if facts trigger you. My 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 feel my, my my truth is not swayed by your feelings. So let's just get that out, get that clear, get that over with. This is this is not a show that that will be very overtly concerned about your feelings when your feelings are contradicted by facts. So, just so we're clear, right? 
And these are the kind of things, these tyrannies lead to tyrannies, lead to tyrannies, and lead to tyrannies. And this is something that we have to really, really be aware of. You know, I've, I give this question everywhere I go. Name, name the five liberties of the First Amendment. Don't use your pocket constitution. Don't Google search it. Don't ask a friend. Just right now, without looking at anything else, name all five liberties in the First Amendment. Well, other than you guys here at the Liberty First Brigade who are listening to the show and have been through my courses, I know you can rattle them right off the top of your head. That's I know that's no problem for you. But for the rest of the population, we also know that only 2% of the rest of the population can name all five. You're probably that 2%, by the way. You're probably that 2% that can name all five. In my classrooms, there's more, but generally speaking, 2%. If you don't know what your rights are, how do you know they're not already gone? How can you even defend a right if you cannot even define it? And here's the crazy thing. If you don't know what they are, that tells me you're not exercising your rights. Because how can you exercise a right you don't even know you have? And so what we're seeing now is that these laws that are being unconstitutionally, tyrannically imposed upon the people. The general consensus is, what do we do? How, how, how do we stop this? How do, we, how do we not get taken over? Well, the problem is, first off, we don't teach the right things in our schools anymore, right? I saw this tweet and I responded and I hope you guys will will give me some some latitude on on my cynicism of this. But apparently the Republican Party has issued a resolution in support of civics instruction in the classroom. Let me see if I can pull it up here on my YouTube because it's too small for me to read on my phone. So uh, give me just one second. Oh, by the way, while I'm telling you about this, those of you who follow me on YouTube and you follow me on uh, Facebook, you'll know that I put up an MSNBC poll. And I want to encourage you guys to go do that too so that the gun haters don't take over this poll. And I'm going to go ahead and show it, for, show it up here for you guys so you can see it. All right, the MSNBC poll, what do you think? Do you think people should be allowed to carry guns in public? Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and take the poll again because it's letting me take the poll again. I'm going to go ahead and take the poll again in front of you so you can see the results. Now, apparently there are 327, oh, 3,279,880 votes in this poll. You can find this poll just simply put into your search engine msnbc do you think people should be allowed to carry guns just put that in your search engine and this article is going to come up so let's put yes the second amendment guarantees it now you know how i feel about that but they don't know any better so we're going to cast our vote here we go uh voting 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 there we go 46 percent 
Now I don't know. Uh, oh well, this says there's only three hundred and or thirty. Uh, 3,280 votes, okay? 46% uh, is 100, oh, that must be 3 million votes. Okay, I get that. So 46% um, are 1,502,000 votes, and 53%, the answer is no, it's too dangerous, are 1,745,000 votes. Now, I don't know how quickly the turnover is, but I guarantee you that I have actually uh, driven a lot of people there, so I don't know if, if that number has changed or whatever. But if you go, it will change, right? Go there. All right, so let me tell you about this, this thing, and I want you to give me a little grace for my cynicism in all of this. So the Republican Party, and I put this in, the, in my tweet, pardon my cynicism, okay? So the Republican Party has put up a resolution. And the resolution reads, Resolution in Support of Civics Instruction. Where our nation is a republic, its protection and preservation necessitate the consistent and vigilant engagement of its citizenry. Whereas it is difficult, if not impossible, to protect and preserve a government about which one is un uninformed. Whereas, where, whereas it is of utmost importance that awareness of our framework of government, its intended protection of inalienable individual liberties, and its constraints on government power, both vertically in terms of federalism and horizontally in terms of checks and balances on its branches, are clearly understood. Whereas being well aware of the great temptation for education to be utilized as a tool for political polarization and indoctrination, it is noted that the best and safest methods for instruction arise from the study of original source documents contemporaneous to our nation's founding. Whereas there are numerous documents from which to derive a clear and accurate understanding of our founders' intentions, however, there are specific documents which should not be overlooked for inclusion with such study of civics, including but not limited to the first document of self-governance, the Mayflower Compact, the document which created us a nation, the Declaration of Independence, and the document under which our rule of law is defined, the Constitution of the United States. There are other writings that should be strongly considered for utilization within the study of civics, civics, including but not limited to the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, and the Commentaries on the Constitution of the United States by Justice Joseph Story. This is where you go, boo! Because in reality, that last, that the last one that I just wrote completely nullifies what the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers actually mean. It nullifies the meaning of the Declaration of Independence. It nullifies the meaning of the Mayflower Compact. So we'll just continue. Paid for by the Republican National Committee. Whereas awareness and proficiency of civics protects all citizens, mass implementation of, in, of its instruction to both school-aged as well as adult citizens should be consistently and actively encouraged and Whereas an accurate understanding of the Constitution, constitutional parameters prohibits both federal government mandates as well as utilization of tax dollars for the implementation 
of such educational initiatives. Yeah, okay. Should I let that rabbit run by? A federal government, yeah. The constitutional parameters prohibits both federal government. How can how can you have a resolution? Let me let me let me let me just pause here for a second. How can you have a resolution from the GOP paid for by the Republican National Committee that recognizes that federal government mandates of education, tax dollars on education is completely unconstitutional. And yet you can't get a stinking Republican up there that will push for and back a bill to defund the Department of Education. To withdraw government control of education through money. I'm just saying. I don't mean to go ranting on you here, but come on now. Give me a stinking break. You see this same hypocrisy, and I will just call it hypocrisy, in the, 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 the GOP platform. We are a party of the Constitution. We are opposed to gun, laws that, 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 that restrict or eliminate law-abiding citizens from keeping and bearing arms. We are opposed to legislation that... that that limits the amount of ammunition or the the equipment that can be used with farms. This isn't printing in the GOP platform. And yet, here in Florida, with a GOP majority in the House, a GOP majority in the Senate, a GOP governor, and a GOP attorney general passed a most insidious anti-gun law. And yet, these same people are still allowed to carry the name Republican. So you guys are going to have to give me a break when I when I say, you know, my cynicism in this. I don't know how many of you have have heard watched the movie um My Fair Lady with Audrey Hepburn. She sings a song because I know this, I know this because this is, was my favorite movie growing up forever. My Fair Lady. Every time I could watch it, I watched it. Words, words. I'm so sick of words. All I hear are words. I can't take another word. If you mean what you say, show me. Yes, I was born in St. Louis. I am a show me girl. But I'm sick of political words. I'm sick of politicians giving lip service to the Constitution. I'm sick of politicians invoking the name of our founders, even quoting their documents. And now what we have is a, a, a resolution by the Republican Party to support civic instruction where they are recognizing la 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 that guess what education in the government system is un in the federal government system is un unconstitutional 
He, they say, whereas an accurate understanding of constitutional parameter, para, parameters prohibits both federal and government mandate, as well as the utilization of tax dollars for the implementation of such educational initiatives, therefore be it resolved that the Republican National Committee encourages the instruction of civics from original source documents and resolved that the RNC encourages Republican state legislators and state local school board members to adopt policies that facilitate the instruction of the civics uh, of civics utilizing the or original source documents. Let me just mention to you, remember the original source documents that they named up here were the Mayflower Compact, the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution of the United States. They also mentioned the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, and commentaries on the Constitution of the United States by Justice Joseph Story. Whereas every single one of those documents are an original source text except Joseph Story's commentaries on the U.S. Constitution. Joseph Story's commentaries on the U.S. Constitution are not an original source document. They were not written until 1833. And if you want an original source document on the meaning and application of the Constitution, you need one that's written at the time of the ratification of the Constitution. And those of you who are my historians, or those of you who may be educated, guess what? You know, 1833 is well beyond the ratification of the Constitution. What is absolutely as amazing to me as you might think, well, Chrisanne, that's as close as we can get. That is not as close as we can get. We can get actually closer. We can actually get a, a, a original source document on the meaning and application of the Constitution. There is an actual book written by someone who was a member of the Continental Congress who published the book to be a handbook and understanding of how to actually understand and apply the Constitution, taking into consideration the meaning of the Constitution as spoken, as intended, as he actually witnessed during the ratification of the Constitution. It is called A View of the Constitution of the United States with Selective Writings by St. George Tucker. And guess what? You can get it on Amazon. Right there on Amazon, just for you, you can get it. I have probably ordered 13 copies of this book and handed it out and used it and written all over it. I teach from it at River uh, at the River School of Government. So you've got to explain to me, right? Because remember, here's, here's my response to this tweet, everybody encouraged by this. Pardon my cynicism, it's only encouraging until you consider who these politicians will pay to teach and what they will end up teaching. History is the oracle of truth and nothing in our education history gives me that kind of encouragement and the GOP doesn't even follow their own platform. So here's the problem. 
just reading it tells me they're not going to teach the accurate application of the Constitution because Joseph Story's writing on the Constitution is the reason we have constitutional problems today. Joseph Story is the author of Judicial Supremacism and Federal Supremacism. Joseph Story is the one who rewrote the meaning and the application of the Constitution so that, that the federal government would never have to suffer an event that we call in history again called the Nullification Crisis. Joseph Story wrote this book. I don't know if he was commissioned to write this book or if he was just demon-possessed to write this book in response to the uh, an event in history that we call the Nullification Crisis so that the states could not exercise their duly authorized constitutionally established authority to check and balance the federal government when the federal government steps outside of its boundaries. Joseph Story's book is the reason we're here today and it is absolutely the reason why I know this, this resolution by the Republican Party is nothing but bullocks. I don't mean to offend anybody, like I said, if you're going to be triggered, I don't know what to tell you. It's flat out bullocks. If they were actually interested in it, they would, have, they would have left story out of it, and they would have referred to St. George Tucker. St. George Tucker was the book used to teach in our post-secondary schools, in our law schools, until 1833. It's why all your lawyers are judicial supremacists. It's why the majority of professors are... Uh, and, and pundits and politicians are federal supremacists. It's why people believe that the supremacy clause says that federal laws and federal government trump state laws and state constitution. That's a lie, by the way. That is not what the supremacy clause says. But when people believe that and when they repeat that, that's because of Joseph's story. And an education taught through the writings of Joseph's story, will not improve America, it will make it worse. So there you go. I don't know what else to tell you. So how do you fix all these gun laws? How do you stand up against them? You exercise your rights like they did in Virginia. You care less about what the government says about your rights because Northam in, in, in Virginia wants to, you know, I mean, he wants to tell you what your rights are. So if we believe the government can tell you what your rights are and that's what you're limited to, and then we just go, oh, well, you know, hey, look, this is all I can do. I might as well just sit down and submit. You exercise your rights because they're God-given unalienable rights. Period. Not because somebody gives you permission to. You learn and you understand that you have an absolute lawful and constitutionally uh, uh, recognized authority to refuse to comply with a law that is not based in law, which a law that is not based in natural law, period. You have to understand that the states have a duty to stand up to the federal government and say, we will not allow you to impose that law here in our state. We will not allow you to enforce that law here in the state because, hey, 
lest you forget. The states created the Constitution, which created the federal government. Therefore, the states are the creators of the federal government, and the creator is always superior to the creation. We tell the creation what is right and wrong. We are the ultimate authority on the Constitution, not the courts. All this hoo-ha about how the courts are the ultimate authority on what the Constitution says is just that. It's just hoo-ha because it's Joseph's story combined with, hey, lo, listen, an errant application of Marbury versus Madison. Marbury versus Madison never said, neener, 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 we are the courts, so we say, so shut up and go home. That is not what Marbury versus Madison says. And anybody who says that Marbury versus Madison establishes that the courts are the ultimate authority on the meaning and application of the Constitution has never read Marbury versus Madison themselves or they're illiterate. Marbury versus Madison says specifically any law that's contrary to the Constitution is null and void. It also says specifically that the courts are the arbiters of the law, not the Constitution. It does not say they are the arbiters of the Constitution. They say they are the arbiters of the law. There is a huge difference there. And these are the kind of things that we have to restore. The only thing that will stop an oppressive, unconstitutionally operating, liberty-destroying, natural rights-denying government and depraved people in that government is a whole body of the people willing to step up and say, you're wrong and we will not comply. If you want to know more about the whole principle of we will not comply, uh, if you're watching here, uh, we will... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a website you need to go to. But nonetheless, if you want to know more about this, you need to go to the 10th Amendment Center.com. 10th Amendment Center.com not only te helps teach you about the power of the states and the intent of the founders, um, they also give you updates on legislation, pro and con, uh, pro, pro rights and con rights. And they also have sample legislation that you can take to your legislators. Pretty cool, huh? They are, they are really, 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 really good. So here's how this works then. You got to throw off the bad education that you've been receiving since 1833. Raise your hand if you were born before 1833. Because if you weren't born before 1833, the education that you've received about the Constitution is suspect at best. Notice I said the education you've received. Now, if you're like me and you went out and hunted an education, then you have a greater opportunity of actually acquiring truth. But if you just received an education, if you, if you just received from the professors, if you just received from the teachers, if you just received from the textbooks, if you just believe what the politicians say, if you just read what the courts pull their ignorance about, you don't have an education on the Constitution. By the way, this is part of why, uh, well, this is the whole reason why we have Liberty First University at libertyfirstuniversity.com to overcome the lies taught to us by Joseph Story. So, um, I hope that you've enjoyed the show today. I didn't get to everything that I wanted to get to. So, uh, we will obviously, oh my goodness, today is Friday, so you won't see me again until uh, Monday here on the Daily Journal Live. Be back on Monday, praise the Lord. 
and on uh, oh thank you Matt Leach for supporting us at the in the last hour <laughs> for the super chat you guys you bless me so much with your support we're coming on we're over 10 years now 10 years teaching the Constitution missionaries to the United States in defense of the Constitution and we only did this because of you um, so anyway uh, make sure you watch YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter over the weekend. I'm going to be publishing short clip videos because a lot of you have been asking for the short clip videos. I'm going to be publishing short clip videos that are great, uh, bold, information-packed things for us to help you share. Uh, like I said, the one that I showed today where I've already published is out there, so you can find it on those platforms. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your attendance here at our Liberty First classroom. God bless you guys and have a great and fantastic weekend. Liberty out.